Hey listeners, I'm Adam, and this is Can I Ask You a Question, a podcast where anyone is welcome to join me for an episode to share their thoughts on a topic of their choice. I'm looking forward to hearing new opinions and perspectives, and hopefully becoming a bit more open-minded along the way. If you're interested in joining me for a future episode, feel free to check out the sign-up link in this episode's description. This episode is brought to you by the Everyday App. Technically, this is an ad, but the Everyday app has honestly been super helpful for me, and I wouldn't partner with a company if I didn't genuinely believe in the product. So, what does the app do? It basically helps you track your habits so that you can see your progress over time. There's a common business saying, what gets measured gets managed. Like I said, it usually applies to businesses, keeping track of things like their sales and customer satisfaction, but I think it's just as relevant for personal goals too. It sounds like a simple concept for an app, but I've personally found it to be super effective in helping create new habits. The app lets you add whatever habits you're currently working on building. For me right now, some of those include reviewing my to-do list each day uh, so that I stay on top of the things I want to get done. Another one is going to the gym, and another one is limiting my time on Twitter to five minutes a day. The app lets you add three habits for free, so you can see if you find it helpful. If you soon realize you want to track more than three habits, like I eventually did, the paid version lets you track unlimited habits and has other cool features, and it's pretty good value in my opinion. There's a link in the episode description that gets you 10% off. All right, let's jump into today's conversation. All right, we rolling. Just raking in the ad revenue. Focus. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, how do you want to introduce it? Uh... I will ask you the question, and then uh, you can you can answer, and we'll go from there. All right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so the question is, how can we ensure that global surveillance programs like the one Snowden revealed are good for society? That's a, that, that's the million dollar question. <laughs> <laughs> so I expect you to have it figured out. Uh, oh, okay. Let me uh, let me answer your question. Uh, with another question, and then we can uh, deep dive. I like it. Yeah. All right. So uh, I guess the most important question in this context is, are global surveillance programs good for society? That was the question. No, the question is, how do you ensure that they're good for society? Okay, fine. I I meant, so I think I meant what you're saying, which is like, should we should we have them? Uh, well, so this goes from a governance question to a like is is this an objectively good or an objectively bad thing? Okay, maybe should we should we start with is it is it necessary? I okay. So is it necessary for the government to keep tabs on its citizens? I believe so. I think information on like on a one-off scenario. So if we're just tracking like atoms, then it's not going to be valuable. But an aggregate, like big data, helps inform valuable like decision-making in society, right? So if you're using this big data, aside from like surveillance to keep everyone safe, it's questionable if that's effective. If you're using that data and saying, hey, we noticed that people travel on this street between the hours and four and five, it would make sense for us to divert traffic 
if we built this highway, it'll make everyone's commute in this area like 30% more efficient. Hmm. And like studies show if people spend, I know, 30 minutes extra at home, their happiness goes up exponentially. Okay. So positive impacts the gross happiness index, if that's something we measure. Cool. Uh, but taking it a step further, it helps support decision-making from like an infrastructure perspective, like building hospitals, um, putting uh, sewers and like other sorts of urban planning development. Like if you're using that data from that perspective, it's truly valuable to society. Right. From a security perspective, there's a few ways to look at it. So what happened to Aquifax a few years ago, uh, where a lot, a lot of customer information was, um, hacked and like, it's very valuable, like your, your credit, your social insurance number, like those, those things are extremely valuable to someone's like person. Okay. Actually question for you. I don't know if you know the answer. What, why is social security number so valuable? What can someone do if they get my nine-digit social security number? Do you know what they can do with it? I think they can open up a bank account. They got a mortgage. just with that. Whoa. Like, don't they need like a an ID, like matching my face? I social insurance number. That's something that you typically don't give out willy nilly. But it's it's one of those two things. Like you know, when you do a credit check, like let's say you buy a phone in the store, you need two pieces of ID. Like this is in the spectrum of p- p- valuable information, like that is at the top of the list, right? Social insurance number. Think of it as like your unique identifier as a citizen of Canada. This is, this is kind of off topic, but it feels outdated. Like in today's world, we're using, um, fingerprint and face ID on our phones. Why are they not using that technology to verify someone? Like, Anyone can steal this nine-digit number. This, this stuff didn't exist. Like well, today, still. I, I, I think. Well, that's a conversation around like process and procedure. It takes a long time to, to fundamentally change. Fair. And 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 then you can make an argument like, is that safer? Like someone someone could, I know when when the iPhone, what was the first iPhone with Touch ID? iPhone five S came out. Like people were figuring figuring out ways to hack Touch ID. Yeah. Okay, fine. Uh, okay, so I like what you said around like helping from improve transportation and traffic and stuff like that. I haven't thought about it from that perspective, but yeah, definitely agree. Data can be used in a bunch of different ways from the security perspective. Uh, so some people might make an argument like, Let's just survey people who seem high risk. So maybe people who have committed crimes in the past or stuff like that. But the counter to that is sometimes maybe someone can do something bad and they don't have like a past record and you want to be able to keep tabs on them. So the question is, what what extent of uh, tracking are mm-hmm. you comfortable with? The government doing so for instance uh there there could be a bunch of different things like things that come to mind are tracking your internet history thing uh, another thing would be 
monitoring your phone calls somehow. And that doesn't mean obviously someone's listening into every call, like you said. It's big data. Like some out, some AI system is converting that all the phone calls into text, and and if certain words come up that are deemed as a threat, then it gets flagged to a person or whatever. So there's that. Then there could be, in theory, listening in on phone calls even when you're not on the phone, like right now, for instance. And then uh, more futuristic with like Neuralink could be like uh, your, your thoughts. thoughts. Yeah. So anyways, uh, what do you think? I think the challenge with that is they're people creating these algorithms and they have to be the not ideally the the algorithms are dynamic enough to be able to account for the the rate at which technology is evolving and by which like certain keywords or actions become suspicious i don't think that's happening today um and I think it's I think it's challenging because I've heard stories of like people on Facebook Messenger making jokes, like incriminating themselves as terrorists, and then having SWAT teams pop up in their in their household. Okay. So I think there's a balance of like figuring out like what are those alerts or triggers that that are deemed suspicion suspicious, and then on the on the action side like well what do you do about it like what's what's the right way to go about it? and I, I i agree like some people like don't have a previous record of suspicious activity and they just come uh in touch with the wrong people and and develop a persona and then ultimately end up doing some things some some uh, suspicious things and the, and the, and the thing is you and i don't aren't privy to like what's going on from a uh, security perspective on a on a national level, right? Maybe these programs are super effective, and we've the the folks who are in charge have been able to discreetly stop instances of terrorism, whether it's casualties or bioterrorism or uh, or to technology impacting terrorism. Like we just don't know, and I think it's because there's a, a certain level of discretion that these programs have and and what we're privy to is all that we hear in the news and that happens maybe like once or twice a year where rcmp bust terrorist rank in montreal mm-hmm. okay can i can i maybe go into why why i find this question interesting mm-hmm. uh so you look at you look at history and how technology and stuff has progressed. 500 years ago, if you were someone who's bad, there's something wrong with you. There's so only so much harm you could do. Like go before guns, right? Mm-hmm. Or let, let's go back. Before knives were invented, right? The most harm you could do is like punch or strangle someone. Then knives were introduced. You could, you could stab a bunch of people. Then guns were introduced. You could kill – you could hurt more people. And then – like bombs and stuff. The point, the point is, uh, technology, as technology progresses, it can be used for like more and more good or more and more bad. And there's an argument to be made that this is going to become inevitable 
if it gets to the point where a single person can make yeah. a very powerful bomb well, or weapon from their apartment well, and I think where or release a pathogen or something like that. Fair. And I, I think where you're going, like in the context of technology, a lot of our personal lives are, is on the internet, right? So effectively it could be as detrimental to me as a human being if someone um, hacks into my accounts, have, have all my personal information because they can impact my professional life, they can impact my personal life. So I think... This is this would be if someone if the government was had this information and someone hacked the government is that what you're saying? Potentially, like either like it could be just a one-off hacker. Like so, um, I think this speaks to more of like at the rate at which technology has evolved. I don't think we've developed the necessary online etiquette that we need to be secure, right? Because what do you if you mean? think of. Uh, of your lives, it exists in two fronts. It exists on the internet and exists in reality. And there is like an overlap, but for some reason, the, the real life life is as valuable as that online life. And we've over the course of history figured out, okay, this, these are the, the, the social societal norms and structures. That's okay in real life, but we haven't done that on the internet. And it's slowly, coming to light. So like most recently, I, I think in this uh, December or October of last year, Facebook announced that they'll have a standalone governance body regulating Facebook because they've become too big and too powerful. And the decisions they, they make from a business perspective are neg- negatively impacting people's personal lives. Okay. So they need a impartial third party to be able to govern and regulate and make those decisions. Okay. I, the, 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 the key question in my mind that I'm very unsure of is should I be okay with if the technology existed, the government taking it to the very extreme, uh, pretty much having tabs on my thoughts and everything I say? Is that okay? It should I, yeah, should I be okay with that? Uh, it, it, let's say the government, there's, there's part of the issue with, like what Snowden exposed was the government. It's not, I don't think it's good when the government's doing things that are in secret where they're not sharing it. But let's say the government is very upfront about this. Let's say we're, we're 10 or 20 years in the future and it's easy to create a deadly pathogen that could wipe out a lot of people from your home, right? Let's say this technology exists and the government says, Hey, uh, the only way for us to prevent these things from happening is for us to monitor everyone. Yeah. So, so to the point that I was making with Facebook, I think on a one-off, it's dangerous. On a- on aggregate, I think it's valuable information where you can identify these instances where where alerts should be flagged. My concern is because. There's a certain level of discretion involved with these sorts of programs. Um, you don't know who's making the judgment call. And oftentimes they're not elected officials, right? So in the case of, uh, of Snowden and the NSA, all those folks were hired. But it seems like they have a more, a greater impact to society or potential impact to society than They, what's, what's the right way to say this? 
You get where I'm coming from? Where you will, you elect officials to make big decisions and you keep tabs on them because they're always in the public eye. But some of these folks who are responsible for global sur- surveillance programs, particularly in the, in like five eyes in the, in the United States and Canada and the UK, those folks aren't elected officials. So I'm trying to follow. You're saying maybe the people who are running these programs could, could not be trustworthy. Yeah, by nature of these programs, they have to be discreet. But you don't have anyone. Yes, it's 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 a matter of like being trustworthy. But you don't have anyone surveilling the people who are doing the surveillance. What if? Okay. What if it's built in a way so that it's it's open in a way so that it's not in that secrecy. Takes a, that takes away from the effect, like the potency of these. Programs. Why does it take away from the potency? Let's say our goal is to be able to stop someone from committing a serious crime, like yeah. spreading a deadly pathogen or whatever yeah how does it take away from it if because it becomes a -a whack-a-mole dude like i i like i create an ai that's able to identify people who are creating passive pathogens they flag them anytime there's something as soon as they start like start working on it or thinking about it if the public is aware that these programs exist yeah folks who want to do malicious things theoretically will evolve and figure out mechanisms. Yeah. So like develop a net new language. Okay. So you're, you're, you're making the case that these bad actors, uh, will essentially by, by finding loopholes, it means they kind of have to be superior from a tech perspective. Like, yeah, which is fair. That's possible. Uh, but I think that's going to be – my gut says that's going to be hard to do when you have this like robust security surveillance platform built out by a lot of people. And it's difficult. How is this one person even going to – they're going to find it difficult to yeah, but that, emerge but the same, when they're under the same surveillance. Same complications exist today. It's very challenging to do today, but people find loopholes. Well – we don't we don't know the extent because of stuff like this. It's clear that maybe governments are surveying in ways we don't know. Right. But uh, to your point there, you're saying people are still finding ways to do bad. Um, fortunately, we haven't had the most serious terror attack we've had is nine eleven, which was horrible. But it's they were able to kill less than one one millionth of the population right like there are there are people who something's wrong with them and they might want to wipe out the entire world or whatever if they could and it hasn't happened yet maybe the tech doesn't exist but the point is if the tech exists i don't know where i was going with this you you are it's the same if, if like suspicious activity is inclusive like i think from 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 my experience, what I hear most often on news is like someone's purchasing f- fertilizer, and authorities have tracked down this person because they're they're like buying fertilizer with an abundance of n- uh, nitrogen in it, right? And they're pre- consu- presumably using them to create like a bomb or like a, a meth. So like there are mechanisms in place to detect these sort of things, and I think when everything evolves and you can create, so long it's not like 
you create a pathogen that no one's ever experienced before, which I think is like not realistic. I think we're in the clear so long as we're able to dynamically adapt our triggers like, Hey, if anyone's purchasing X, Y, and Z, that's considered suspicious activity. So track this person. Have you, uh, have you read 1984? No. Have you heard of it? Yeah. I think I need to read it again because it's, it's, it's a like dystopian. Yeah. Is Orwell? Yeah. Yeah. Dystopian book about like a global surveillance type thing from the government, like their big brother or whatever. Yeah. Well, anyways, I think one thing we could talk about is like what's happening in, in, uh, China. Yeah. With the social credit system. Yeah. Well, in the Northwest with the Uyghur population, right? How they're, they're testing population. So they're effectively two types of Chinese. They're Han Chinese and then they're Uyghur Chinese. Uyghur Chinese is like a uh, minority in China, still uh, Chinese nationals who are uh, Muslims for the most part. Oh, okay. These are the ones in the, uh, like detention camps. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I don't know if we should be talking about this. I still have my China visa. <laughs> okay, let's. We can. It's up to you. It's up to you. Uh, I, I thought you were going to talk about the social credit system. Well, have you heard of that? Effectively, they're testing a lot of the mass surveillance stuff that's rolling on out these, throughout on on this uh, minority group population. So, um, like New York Times covered in, and the folks who are listening, all three people. Uh, I just pulled up. Um, uh, New York Times article where they talk about China's dystopian dreams of AI camera. For the record, uh, whoever's listening, just know there's more than two other people out there listening. <laughs> Michael, Michael, that's fake news. There's probably like 20 to 30 other people listening. Yeah. Um, but social credit that originated in this space and they have a lot of, I didn't know. I didn't know that they were testing it in, yeah. in so, this group. So they would, because it is an oppressed group and they have a tendency of doing extremist things or China believes that they have a tendency of doing extremist things. So that's where they place tabs on the people. And if something remotely suspicious happened, and this is a, a scenario where maybe AI is detrimental to society and this sort of checks and balances in societies. And because uh, if, if ultimately anything you do could if a ends up in b and then b sometimes ends up in like mass mass casualties but sometimes it doesn't then that's like everything will raise a flag okay let me let me try to make a realistic scenario let's say tomorrow the government announces that they want to they want to pull they want to pull all canadians Saying, uh, we want the ability to, uh, record, like, use the data from everyone's phone conversations, uh, for security reasons. Mm-hmm. And let's say they did a poll and you need a majority, more than 50% of Canadians agree to this surveillance system. Two questions for you. One, which way does your gut say the poll goes? And which way do you think you would vote? I think people would be opposed because if it, 
Do you think more than 50% would say no? Yeah. To, okay. Because they just like truly they don't understand, right? All you know is from what you hear. And I think the um, mainstream uh, narrative is government surveillance is bad. So you, you, you made a comment saying they're going to say the, the majority will say no because they don't know or something. But I think there are arguments like sp- uh, logical arguments for why it could be a bad idea. Like for instance, if, if the government ever, I think 1984 is the government ends up being bad and like it with more power, you can, there's tendency maybe throughout history to become more of an authoritarian government when you have more power. So that's one argument against it. And then the other is like, what if there's, if they're collecting more data and this gets hacked, like you said, people might figure out like bad actors might hack, then then maybe they can do something with this data in a bad way. But anyways, for a sec, I want to know what what where do you what does your gut say? Let's say you had to vote on it tomorrow. What do you vote yes or no? Oh, I think I would have to need I I would need to know more information. Okay. What what more information would you want to know? Like who who is leading the charge? Let's what? say it's the government and they, their security division. I don't know what the do, official name is. Do, Canadian would, government. Would we be privy to the folks who are in that security? Like, how how do I audit to make sure that the right people are in charge? If this is something that is truly impacting my day to day, I want to be informed in making the decision prior to making a call because it does seem like it'll be like a a meaningful impact. Okay, so let's say. They say the person who's running the program, it's a senior official, they have a good track record, you look them up, they look legit. What other unanswered questions do you have before you make your decision? What checks and balances are in place to make sure that they're not um, manipulating the information? In So two questions. What, what types of checks and balances would you want, if you can think of any? And then second one is what... What's coming to mind for you that you think that they could abuse? Like, what's an example of a way that you're concerned about potentially them abusing? Um, if if they're like lobby, like let's let's say this is an elected official, um, they run a campaign theoretically, and, and this is where like government is weird good and bad and this is an elected official they campaign to get elected um, in order to campaign they need to secure a certain amount of funds a lobbyist group that that wants to sell their technology to the government of Canada approaches this person and says hey we just want to give you money to support your campaign think of us in the future person takes the data takes a contract for this third party AI okay. algorithm, whatever. Yeah. And then... It's used in a harmful way yeah. or whatever. Like somebody doesn't do their due diligence, is used in a harmful way. Okay. So, fair. That's a good example. So, do you have any checks and balances in mind that you would want? It sounds like one of them would be you can't accept money from outside well, yeah, private That's what's companies. challenging. Like you would want everything to be... If you're de- developing this program, you would want it to be done in-house. Okay. So, let, let's say my answer to you would be... When you first of all, when you say in house, what do you mean? So, you wouldn't want decisions to be manipulated by 
anyone outside of like the immediate, immediate decision making, like the folks who you elected to make the call? Yeah. So let's, let's assume, uh, like this is the Canadian within the Canadian defense, uh, force. Right. There's a group that's in charge of this. And the best answer they're probably going to give is we're going to put in checks and balances. And the, the truth is there's always potential for, like you're saying, abuse. So what other question, what other things would you want to know in order to say yes or no? Like who, who's developing these programs? What are the, it's developed by people who are hired by the government. They go through security clearances and whatever, and they're engineers who are building this. What's building this? I think that's like, otherwise like it's, I don't want to say it's pretty self-explanatory, but like you're monitoring my phone calls for a specific sequence of, of keywords. Self-explanatory meaning what? You're okay with it? No, no. I meant like in terms of what else, like I'm, in, I'm struggling to, to give you something. Like, I don't know what else I, I would just want to make sure that the right people are in charge. People who can make decisions objectively in the best interest of like the population that they represent. Um, and the risk that this information is distributed to someone who doesn't isn't authorized as minimized. Like those those are the, the, the things that are valuable in this context. So you have to make a decision now on to vote yes or no to the government putting in place this uh, program, knowing knowing that there's always going to be potential for this to be uh, hacked by an outsider or misused or if the necessary steps are taken into place to minimize that risk, then I'm comfortable voting yes. Okay. And the reason being is your information is on the internet or the degree to which people, and this is to the earlier point, put their presence online is very high. So you have, again, a real life and then you have an online life. And I think we're not privy to the amount of information that's already online. For instance, when you sign up to an email or a website, how often do you put in your birthday? Fairly often. Fairly often. Like, and your password, does it vary a lot from website to ver- website? Uh, I, I try to vary it, but I... It's challenging. I do it in a way so that they're like... It's hard to explain without giving it away, but there's there's a there's a commonality across all of them, yeah. but they are all slightly different. Yeah, yeah. So like um, if you have a sequence of numbers, right. they would be different for each. Right. So I'd argue that's a lot of information. And so, some 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 some. Okay, some, I agree. There's lots of information about us on the internet. What's the point you're making? So people are so invested in like oh this is going to negatively impact me it's like well like nobody really cares about you on an individual level they care about your data on aggregate like um are you making the point that like while you your gut says the majority of people would oppose this program you're saying people share a lot of data anyway yeah so like it's it's kind of like if this is a mechanism where you're using the same information that's already available. Like this is net new where like you're tracking phone it, conceivably, actually probably not. Um, Cause I know through five eyes, the U S if we're, we're making calls to the U S they can send that information to Canada and the NSA 
isn't allowed to track phone calls in the U.S., but when it's made on or through Canadian servers, that's when Canadian companies can share that information with the NSA, like legally. Um, the point being is there's a lot of the inform, a lot of this information is already out there. If you're collecting it and using it in a useful uh, fashion and your objective is security, then I'm comfortable giving the sign off so long as I know who is regulating that data. Okay. So let me take this a step further. So you said yes to um, rec- using the data from all of the phone calls. Taking it a step further, what if they say, okay, uh, we've real- let's say a couple terrorist attacks happened because people have found loopholes and they're no longer doing things over the phone, which is probably already the case, right? I don't think so- it'll be a couple. I think it'll be the just the one instance and then people would do the, well, we just uh, just voted on this one thing and it was designed to minimize terrorism, but in fact it resulted in this. There ought to be uh, an analysis or whatever. The so my, my question is, the government says, okay, the next step is we want, we want to ask for the ability to record the data so that everything that's being said when your phones are turned on, even if it's not a phone call going on, like right now on both our phones, the data would be collected. Do you still say yes? You still vote yes to allowing them to use that data. Knowing that the purpose continues to be safety, right? And to the best of your knowledge, you can trust the government. So the question is, okay, I I get where you're coming from. And I, I will answer. My answer is yes. Okay. I have a lot of technology around me. Right? I have my Google Home. I have my iPhone. Although it's unlikely, the possibility exists that people are recording or my information without my consent is being recorded by my phone today. By Apple or by, by Apple, Google by Google, whatever. What have you. There's there's a possibility that, that or by a third party app that gets installed like yeah. and I consented okay. to that that's the reality today. If I actively know that that's happening, like, so it's a question of like is ignorance bliss? You don't know that it's happening, but it's happening in the background. Yeah, but this is not ignorance is bliss because the example I gave you, they're telling you they're going to do it. So there's nothing. To uh, no, be no, I, no, no, no. I know. So that's what I'm saying. Like. Does it just feel bad because you know it's happening or you suspect it's happening? Because how many conversations have you had with someone like, hey, I think Facebook's spying on me. I talked about this thing that I've never searched up and I yeah. end up in my ads the next day. Right. And and I agree with you. It's a p- part of the reason you are annoyed is because you feel like they're breaching trust and they're telling you that they're not doing this, but it feels like they are. So, yeah, so I, like what, I agree with you. What difference is it if, so in my opinion, no, because it, because you lose trust is important. Trust is so key to you answering yes to those two questions because you trust the government in the Facebook example. Why people are annoyed is because they feel they can't trust Facebook because Facebook's saying, Hey, we are not listening to your conversations yet. You see ads show up. Yeah. Like, but, but that's, so that's the difference. I, I get, I get the, so, so long as that first example rings true when I'm able to do a due diligence on the person who's in charge for collecting all this, whatever on aggregate, I'm fine with it. Okay. 
And I have, if, if I've done my due diligence and I believe that the checks, the proper checks and balances are in place and the information is being used for my benefit. So there's always going back. There's always going to be, you're never going to be able to fully see the checks and balances. There's always going to be risk involved in this. Right. Right. So I'm going to take it the last step. I think I, I think this is the last step is Neuralink type technology is they're able to listen to, they're able to record all your thoughts. I, I, I think there's is the answer still. Yes. The answer there is, a, is no. Okay. And, and the reason being is people are complicated. Um, there's like a, so an example of this is you're on the subway and there's like a fight or flight instinct where you are cognizant of the people around you because you're concerned someone's going to push you onto the subway. And I've, I've read about this. So it isn't like my experience directly. And like, sometimes you're there and you're like, wow, this person is very close to the subway. Like I can be responsible for this person's well-being, And that's alarming. And if you're supposed to regulate your thoughts to that degree, I think it'll be just challenging to get accurate, like meaningful information. Out so of you're, you're concerned that let's say someone has a thought that could be perceived as dangerous. It might not actually be. Is that, yeah, that's what you're saying? Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I, I get where you come from where that reality could exist when you're someone's recording. Talking yeah. As well. Talking. Yeah. Like you're going to so, have the same issue. So, and, and that's where I bring up the example where someone was just making joke on like Facebook messenger and the SWAT team shows up to their apartment. It's, figuring out what the right balance is. Right. And I don't think, and you don't want that happening, but there's also an argument that you'd rather be safe than sorry. Yeah. What's, what's, what's the, like the turn of phrase to describe like, this is the ideal state. Utopia. Yeah. The the utopian, the utopian state. And this is what, and I have like a, a a disposition to, 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 to think like, yeah, like I'm very idealistic in that capacity. Like if my, information is being used perfectly uh honestly and and all of the algorithms that they create work perfectly well um then there's no reason i should say and and it it, the utility is positive there's no reason i should say no because it it is working in my benefit and I'm not yeah. doing anything that's detriment, considered detrimental to society. Like I, and to make this more concrete, when you say it's working in my benefit, if this program is working perfectly, then it is being able to detect anyone who is going to cause harm to me or yeah. anyone else. With, with like 100% certainty. Well, right. not like 99% yeah, yeah, no, certainty. In the perfect situation, yeah. No but, harm is done to other people. And, 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 and I answer yes in hopes of that like utopian scenario playing out where everything is working like a hundred percent how it's supposed to work. But the reality that's never going to be the case. Right. So, um, this is where, where your point about trust comes into place. Like what degree of trust do you have to have in an entity in order for this to be, uh, to make sense for you? Have you, have you seen minority report? Have you heard of the movie? I have. I need to watch it. It's, <laughs> I th- it's, it's a... 1984 and Minority Report. Yeah. Uh, Minority Report. I don't know if it's considered a dystopian movie or not, 
but I know I know the plot centers around like I think it's a government task force mm-hmm. that does exactly this task force they they can predict I don't know if it's because they monitor people's thoughts or not but they can predict they prevent crimes before they happen so like they have a way to see the future or something and they see that someone's about to murder someone so they arrest them before they've committed a crime I haven't actually seen the I've seen like a, a how, part of the movie. Oh, what do you feel about? How does that make you feel? I mean, you're you're uh, you're a in, in practice. Like to your point, in if it's done perfectly, I don't understand the technology behind. It. I need to watch the movie, and it, it's futuristic. I so I don't think they'll, don't think they'll the, describe the technology. No, no, yeah, but I need to understand the the premise more. But when you ask how I feel about the, that, if there was a way to predict with certainty that someone is about to murder someone, I would want the government to stop it versus, I don't know if I'd like, I'd want them to stop it before the murder takes place, then have the murder take place and then arrest so the when, person. When do you arrest the person? Because as a determinist, like, so maybe, maybe you don't arrest them, but if you're, no, no, I, I you, you have to not get that person before they do that thing that they're going to do. Right. So you but need to, you need to like, take them away or do something. Yeah. Like how, how do you, yeah, that's challenging. Recalibrate. Like hopefully we, and when, when is that instance? What if like up until, uh, the point that they murder someone, they're like an outstanding citizen, like huge, like you, like objectively, a, a, an excellent human being, uh, positives throughout from like a contributions to society perspective and then they do that really shitty thing where they murder someone like when do you like draw the line well i guess i guess ideally ideally you would want to to your point not stop them until they're literally just about to but isn't that like isn't that like the person has a knife they go like this and they're about to kill them and then Somehow you stop you them. Use Neuralink to stun them. Whatever. But, <laughs> no, you get you get the point. Yeah. Like that. In that case, you could you could prove that they attempted murder or whatever. Okay, let me see. Uh, so the reason. Wait. So you said yeah. You, you said yes to allowing the monitoring of the phone call. You said yes to uh, monitoring phone in general. Did you say yes to? You said no to the thoughts. no no. To okay. The thought. But but also that like that experiment thought experiment like makes me want to answer differently for for the thought yeah, one so or like, for the other for two? the for, for the other like it, because the same thing rings true for all three oh cases, i see i see where if i know with a certain like let's say it's 90 percent certainty that this will be a net positive um like to my life, then I'm willing to say yes. Okay. But you're, I think what you're saying is there is, there is a possibility whether let's assume that let's assume the government has the right intentions. Okay. That they're, they're acting in good faith. Are you saying there's still a risk that they could misinterpret our conversations right now and could, arrest you or I when we didn't actually mean any harm. They just misinterpreted the data. Is that, is that what that's, you're saying? That's correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's a problem, I guess, but I you, you get it. That's terrible. It's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
uh, I think the reason, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the reason you said yes to the first two was sort of because you would believe, you would believe in the argument that it's known as the nothing to hide argument. The people who are in favor of these surveillance say, like, if you have nothing to hide, you should be in favor. So, uh, Google CEO, Eric, Sch- I, I took down like something I saw from our article. Google CEO Eric Schmidt articulated a blunt offense in a famous 2009 interview. If you have something that you don't want anyone to know, maybe you shouldn't be doing that in the first place. So, like, do you buy that argument? I'm of the belief if you can do whatever you want, so long as you're not negatively impacting other people's lives. Yeah. So, and uh, how you define, like, other people's lives is, like, materially, like, causing me physical, mental harm. Like, so, and, and the, like, the example that I'm going to use... The emotional one might be more hard to, de- to determine, right? Yeah, so, like, if, if, if for instance, um, you're using Ashley Madison, which is a web, like, a dating website for spouses to cheat on each other, um, that's... You're not impacting me, right? What do you mean? I'm using so if I'm using the platform? Yeah, you're not impact let's say yeah, you're using the platform. You're not impacting me, Michael. Are we spouses? I don't no, know. No, we're not spouses. So, so you're using you're, you're using this platform. You're negatively impacting emotionally impacting your spouse. Yeah. And this is like information that you wouldn't want other people to to know about, right? Because uh, in, in in theory you So you're saying in theory if if I said yes to the government surveillance yeah, like stuff, people, they would know this stuff. Yeah, people have vices, right? And if if this information becomes of available or like it just it negatively impacts. So my point of the earlier, like I, well, think I don't know. First of all, on this on, on that specific example, I actually don't even know. Is it illegal? I don't think it's not illegal. No, to it's cheat, not illegal. Right? No, no, it's not. It just it causes emotional harm to someone. It's right. like where do you draw that line? Well, the the things that you signed up to say yes to were for security purposes. Yes. So, yeah, they would well, they would have to answer the question of like what is included in well, the scope of this. I, I, I'm speaking specifically to like Eric Schmidt's point. Like, then like you shouldn't be doing. I'm paraphrasing. You shouldn't be doing that shitty thing, right? Okay. So like you're saying people people. Have, I'm saying people have vices, right? And they're right. And like I think it's predisposition. Like so long as you're. Not broadly, broadly, I guess would be the the key word. Impacting other people negatively, then like it's you can do whatever you want, but you're entitled to that uh, security if you choose to proceed. Like smoking is a vice. Well, right? well, in that example, I think you want at least I want a democracy around all these decisions. I think. Um, but, so, like for instance, in the in the Ashley Madison example, like I would. I'm trying to think like hypothetically, would I want Canadians, all Canadians to vote on a majority? Yes or no. Should it be illegal? Should you face prison time or whatever the penalty is? If, if you cheat, uh, would you, but that's like micro government. Like that's, that's, no, but I don't you, what I'm trying to get like democracy is great. I would rather that everyone is, is having a voice than the government, which is is making these decisions, yeah. that's the issue with authoritarian so governments, is they're making decisions that 
aren't engaging people. Yeah, but then there's just so many, like, it opens the floodgates to so many micro-decisions that could be made by a, a government that everyone has to have a say in. Right? Well, okay, so yeah, like, our... Fair. So, uh, our Canadian government... Canadian government is a... We live in a democracy. To your point, we don't vote on every decision, but there are elected officials and in Parliament or whatever, they're effectively doing this. They're voting and they have majority-type rules. I mean, well, you elect the official that best aligned to your values and yeah. things that you want to see happen. Yeah, so it's a, it's a proxy for it, yes. to your point. Yeah. But, yeah, like, that's it's a good system. I, the point, but they, but what, they don't what I'm saying, the- I'm, getting to, I'm going to the point around you. You were saying the, the issue you have with Eric Schmidt's statement around... Nothing to hide is that people have vices. And all I'm saying is there's a reason – like our elect, elected officials could could have made it illegal to cheat. But it hasn't because I guess the majority believe that it shouldn't – It shouldn't. you shouldn't go to jail for it or whatever, right? I think there's layers to this. But like I'm just saying like there are parts of your digital persona that you want to keep private, right? So what? if – well, like, well, that's that. I, I, it's like, it's like using Ashley Madison as a digital equivalent of smoking. So I want to keep it. Well, obviously, if I was doing this, I would want to keep it private from my spouse. Yeah, but you're still like negatively. But and and does it make sense to have like for for every instance, let's say in a surveillance state, to have like a. Uh, uh, general consensus is this something that we should monitor and make publicly available or not? Like, n- no, I don't, I don't think that's, uh, I mean, there's, there's a certain degree of regulation when it comes to like micro government. I don't think that's an effective use of, of time. And I don't think that's of any meaningful positive or negative impact to society. Because if you spend the time like regulating, uh, if whether whether or not you should make public someone's use of Ashley Madison, like I'd argue, there's an opportunity cost associated with that, where you could have spent time dis- deciding, debating between something that is truly impactful to like the broad, um, broader population. Right. I think what we're we're both a. Uh, Getting, to, yeah. Like, in my opinion, if if everything works perfectly in an ideal world and all of these programs are infallible and they work perfectly well and you're able to stop a murder just before it happens and allow someone to, like, then you should say, like, objectively, someone should say yes. But cut, that's to- not the reality because people don't have trust in the system in the people making decisions in the ai and the like whatever to to close off this like ashley madison example right. which is i guess off topic from the security perspective but it does relate to harm because to your point it, you're going to cause emotional harm to your spouse by cheating so i don't know i would want a government that is like providing resources this sounds very idealistic, but they're providing resources to help couples like figure out their, their but shit. But why, dude? Because because 
it's it's not a good thing that people are cheating because it, it causes emotional harm to people. I, you know, my views around free will and stuff. And because of that, I don't believe in punishment for the sake of punishment, meaning I don't well, think I'm murdering that because that's on your list of topics. <laughs> right. right. But like the point I'm making is pe- people, people have issues and stuff like that, but I would want the government to what, or why did you, why did you have such a adverse reaction to me saying I would want the government to provide resources to help couples? Because when you're providing problems? resources, inevitably, like you have to fund it somehow. And like, as a taxpayer, I don't want to, I don't want my money going towards programs where like it's someone's vice. It's not causing me harm. Uh, well, I don't know. But, don't know. but, but you already like, there are programs that we fund with our tax dollars to go towards, uh, homeless and people with disabilities that I doubt you have an issue with. Yeah, but look, They're not be- benefiting you. So, directly. so then you have to truly believe that the populate, like the segment of our population that are truly like emotionally impacted to a degree of like it, it negatively impacting their ability to be a utility to society is as big of a problem as those programs that we are funding. So okay, so, so we have just as much homeless as people who are in emotional distress okay, from being cheated on. So so your 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 issue with the government providing resources to help couples figure out their stuff to reduce the number of cases of cheating. Your issue with that is that you think the money spent on these resources are going could have been used for better for better purposes. Opportunity cost. Is yeah, high. yeah. Okay, so. I agree with you. I'm like very utilitarian. So yeah, I would ideally you want to do some sort of uh, cause benefit analysis around this so that like what well, what happens today, right? Like if, if, if a wide enough array of people or a broad enough population of people believe in something and believe in like a certain change, they bring it to the lawmakers attention through by means of like a petition, by means of uh, going to, um, what's what's our legislative like whatever uh, part of their legislative assembly they need to go to to make their uh opinion decision or like problem heard not decision so can you, can you enter the password for this i want to see what Outstanding questions I had are. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think. Oh, oh, one, one other, one other question I had was, and this relates interestingly enough to your response when I asked you, do you think the majority of people would vote in favor of this? And you said no. Right. So what I was going to say is, Let's say that there's a way to kind of prove that it actually is the right thing to do. Like people are going to be better off. People are going to be better off if you survey them, but the public wouldn't agree to it. Are you okay? Like, should the government do it in secrecy? Uh, And this might have been something that like the U.S. government thought through 
like before Snowden exposed this stuff, they were doing this stuff in secrecy. Maybe they did it because they felt that the public wasn't going to agree to it, but they thought it was in their best interest. Assuming the sequence of events is the government is currently not doing any of, the, uh, any of this. They bring it to the attention of uh, their population. The population votes no, and then they make the decision whether or not to do it. Right? Yeah. Again, if the if they are, do you want, do you want me to say in my mind what I think the argument is on each side? Will sure. that maybe help? I think the argument uh, against allowing the government to the argument against saying the government should be able to do this in secrecy uh, is that you're going against. The democracy. And to your point, maybe this isn't done by polling everyone, but let's say it goes to, it goes to whatever the House of Commons or whoever makes this decision. But then like Trudeau still decided, you know what, like we really need this. So he like tells the defense group to do this in secrecy or whatever. Like there's a reason, the point I'm making, the argument against this is there's a reason you have a democracy so that the majority wins. That's, I think that's the argument against it, maybe. The argument for it is people often don't make decisions that are good for them, like taking meth or like whatever. Like you get the point. People do things that are bad for them. And that's why we have rules around certain that you can't do certain things. So I didn't articulate that great, but those are in my mind are the arguments on each side. Yeah. Uh, I believe if they're able to do it with a uh, certain degree, like, of, I'm not using the, with a degree of certainty that they'll have a net positive utility to society, I think they should make the decision to go forward. Okay. So. It, it depends on the, the, like, with anything, there's risk involved, right? So if, you think objective, listen, objectively good for society, but let me step back. I can change my answer because you elect officials to make decisions on your behalf. And if consensus is like, we don't want to do this, then you shouldn't do it. Yeah, I agree. That's, that's where I side too. It's not, it's not in like, Whatever th- decisions they make internally, that's their discretion. But publicly, li- they should align to what the consensus is. Right. This was this was highly stimulating for me. This conversation. Yeah. Well, I think it'd be nice if we had the uh, China example because it's. But I thought you don't want to get stopped from going to China. You know, I would love to go to China again. I mean, right now it's. It's February. Like I'll take the pass. Um, I don't. I don't think they're allowing flights to China. Are they? No, they must it's, be. It's not, it's any like non-essential travel to China. They're highly discouraged. Yeah. Um, okay. What do you want? What do you want to say about China? No, it's a, it's a unique uh, use case, and like this was a country that was able to successfully censor the internet and establish those i mean 
it's debatable in, in terms of their effectiveness and utility to society, but they were able to establish those checks and balances and procedures to how, uh, to live your online life. No, but they censor, like, don't they not tell their, can't you not search about Tiananmen Square massacre in China? Yes. So that's a bad thing, right? And, uh, I mean, it, it, it's all on con, like, is an objectively a bad thing? Like, how is, how is that, how, like, what's the argument in favor of allowing the government to do that, to censor information like that? I mean, that's a good question. You should add it to the list. Okay. <laughs> the, re- the reason I, I try to, like, I told you, I try to add questions to the list that I'm like very unsure about. To me, that seems pretty clear cut that what they're doing there is wrong and they should not be censoring. I don't see why China is censoring Google and Facebook. Maybe I haven't well, done enough research into yeah, it. Yeah, I, I've I haven't read about this in a while, so I don't think I'd be providing an opinion of value. Um, okay, if anyone's listening and knows like <laughs> what the what the argument is, but it's for, it's an interest. Like if if you look at philosophically, like hey, like what is the utility of censorship? Well, I thought the general consensus is censorship is bad, right? What's that water? Mm. Oh, it's the fridge. We're good? Yeah. Okay. Um, So... Well, you're you're looking like... (laughs) Is censorship, I think you have to look at it from a big picture perspective. Like, what are you trying in, let's say in the context of China with communism, people have to have confidence in the government, the way you do that effectively. And, and I think, um, Oh, this is, this is a sensitive topic. I don't have, how do you have confidence in the government if they are hiding things from you? That seems counterintuitive. Yeah, like, this is, this is a very like a, a, a socialist communist view on like. Why does, okay, maybe I don't understand enough about communism, but why does communism, communism require uh, governments to hide so because information? Because there's a, there's a continuity in government, right? There's a, an, an air of strength that you have to um, exude to the people so that they have, I'm just, I'm just speaking like, this is not my, my opinion. It's more of like a, the government has to appear strong and the way they do it is by regulating the flow of information that goes to the people so that people have, it doesn't work. Let's start there. It doesn't work. So why is China doing this? Why are they? Because it's it's been effective up until this, like, and continues to be effective. People are finding ways around it. Like, China has a population of like one dot whatever billion. Like, people aren't stupid. They find ways around it. Like, for instance, because uh, Xi Jinping has a resemblance to Winnie the Pooh, you can't search or send pictures of Winnie the Pooh in China through like WeChat through their uh, social media platforms. Like that just seems insane to me. So maybe, maybe it, it is, it, it is insane. But I, I'm going to try to, maybe afterwards I'll try to understand how, like yeah. why are they? It. I, I agree with you. It is insane. I don't think that's the right. Ma- I think there, there should be a certain element of freedom 
that you're entitled to as a citizen of the world, like fundamental rights and freedoms. And I think that's being violated um, in in China. Um, I I don't like, although the social credit thing, in theory, this is a way that you can make sure that people have a positive utility to society. In practice, it, it's not going to work. It's just, you know, if you're trying to complacency over the course of the long term, you'll, you'll see that people are uncomfortable. And that's when revolutions happen. Right. So that's why uh, communism often falls in, in very violent um, ways. I know this, this ended up being a little off topic, but I'm glad it went here because I think I have an, a new question to add to the list around. I'm going to look into China a bit more. And the question I have is like, should I, is it okay to travel to China as a tourist and support <laughs> them if, if they're corrupt? Uh, well, I mean, we can, we can, if you're, it, if you're interested, I know you like China, like in terms of visiting, like you, I think China is a very there. interesting use case. And I think okay. everyone should maybe, be maybe more we can do that as what, a different episode. Yeah. And, and, and like taking it one step further, like there are tour groups that go to North Korea. Right. That is a totalitarian, that's a, that's a better, that's an even better example. Yeah, well, they have the Uyghur population, like China has a Uyghur population that they oppress and put in the concentration camps. Right. I'm just saying like North Korea is, is a yeah. definite example of your, your money is going, is supporting a corrupt. Yeah, I, I just can't. Okay, be, let's, let's part, let's great, part this one for the next episode. This conversation is going to be. All right. Well, so like, this was a pleasure. This was a pleasure. Where did was we, it, like, how do we pleasure? conclude? Like, we we can conclude by just ending this right now. All right, that's great. Thank you, thank you for having me. <laughs> Unless you want, did you want to conclude by? I mean, saying we anything? can pause for another like sponsorship. <laughs> uh, if someone wants to pay, pay me, then uh, I'll say whatever you want. No, honestly, I I think I would only do a sponsorship if it aligned with my values. This sponsorship is brought to you by Smiles. <laughs> yeah. Nothing makes you happier than showing your teeth to another human being. All right. <laughs> Goodbye. Thanks again for tuning in to Can I Ask You a Question? If you liked this episode, I'd really appreciate it if you left a rating on iTunes or Google Podcasts or wherever you're listening from so that more people like you can discover it. Also, it'd be super helpful if you'd be willing to leave some feedback on any ideas you have for improving future conversations using the link in this episode's description. Thanks again and see you next time.